C'è qualcuno là fuori? Alright, my friends. Well, you guys know it. This is the Christian podcast. And I'm the real Beto Gudino. This is the real Beto Gudino, not the avatar. Because I'm at my favorite coffee shop here in Costa Mesa. But my avatar will come right after and he'll hang out with you for the rest of eternity here in the MetaNet. Not the metaverse. Like, what is metaverse? No, the meta net. So, I'm excited to be here with you guys live uh, broadcasting from my favorite coffee shop, which is. Which is. I'm not gonna tell you right now, but I'm gonna tell you who I'm sitting with, which is my friend Chris Kratzu. So, let's welcome him to the show. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Awesome. Well, man, I I mean, this is this is so good. It's my first ever um, out of the office episode. <laughs> uh, so this is interesting. We're at a coffee shop. There's music in the background. Maybe some of you are even like, no, my music with the music in the store is clashing. I don't know, but it should be good. You know, we got microphones and everything and we're drinking coffee, man. What are you drinking? Uh, well, This is my second coffee of the day, so I just went for a regular coffee with a little bit of cream in it. In the last hour. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? What you got uh, over there? It looks fancy. I think it's a latte, right? Yeah. So I see the I see the art oh, yeah, it's on the top. It's not anymore because I'm about to sip it. Here. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, survivors right after the apocalypse. <laughs> I got a question for you. Is the pandemic over? That's what I want to talk about today, man. Remember when we were talking in our... Well, I don't know if you remember, but in our first... Well, I want to say this first. I don't know why, but I started the Christian podcast during a pandemic. Like, 2020 was the year I launched christian podcast yeah. right out of all the years you could have done it uh, but you were one of my first conversations you, uh, and i think it was titled uh, hope after easter or what does hope look like yeah. after easter um but now i feel like when we were talking back then we were talking about wow our kids are in our homes our kids are <laughs> not going to school it's chaotic uh, and then we were almost like joking about man that day when we just drop off the kids and yeah. just launch them into the <laughs> into school <laughs> when we become empty nesters again <laughs> right <laughs> empty nesters at least for for seven hours for right? seven hours Monday seven through eight Friday. hours uh, but is i mean let's just start with this is the pandemic over <laughs> yeah um you know honestly i feel like there's probably a few different ways to answer that question from a, a medical perspective i don't know that i'd have the answer um it feels like here in you know i live in costa mesa orange county um it definitely feels like it's not a significant thing uh, but pandemic it gets that term because of a global 
piece, right? There's like a global issue. And one of the things that Americans are really good at is not thinking about other people. And we just really focus on ourselves. <laughs> Say that again, man. Say that again. <laughs> I said, uh, one of the things Americans are really good at is not thinking about other people. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's, uh, if it's good in my neighborhood, then it must be good everywhere. You know, if I'm not struggling with something, then nobody's struggling with something, you know, and, and if I'm facing an ordeal, then, uh, you know, then the whole world should stop, you know? So it's an interesting thing to, to process through, but I, I think that we're definitely coming out the other side of it. And, um, I think there's a lot of other issues that we're facing, uh, that are maybe emotional pandemics, maybe social pandemics. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the medical thing, I feel like, you know, there's a, there's been a shift for sure. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, when the pandemic was starting, I remember like my mom lives across from me, like I can see her house and her window. And I remember she went shopping, right? And this is like the, the first week, like the <laughs> shutdown, like nobody's yeah. out. It looks like the apocalypse, no cars in the street, no people in the street. Maybe a few people, right, going to the stores, buying with the mask and like, yeah. no, don't touch anybody. <laughs> and I remember seeing my mom go out and then she comes back to her house and I'm through the window. I'm telling my mom through the window, mom, please don't go out again. Do you want to die? Is that what you want? <laughs> you know, so, I, so I think I think I did have a version as the pandemic was starting. Things were shutting down that. Wow, this is I mean, I'm not saying it's like you're saying, right? Medical yeah. perspective and all that. Um it's real yeah but i i, I think I, i thought man this is bad this is super bad everybody's gonna die you yeah. know like if i'm out yeah. and somebody's gonna get it and yeah. i'm gonna see them falling like right there and that, that that's what i was yeah. thinking was gonna and happen we can only process it through things that we've seen right our imagination so it's like yeah. we just go to movies tv shows you <laughs> that's know, all like i have zombie apocalypse movies and so that's that's the closest thing that we have to kind of like frame of reference wise you know yeah. i remember when it first started up you know that first month maybe the first four or five weeks i remember just seeing the statistics about how many people uh were watching or buying or downloading movies like outbreak you remember that movie outbreak yeah, with yeah. dustin hoffman and the and the monkey and then there's mm -hmm. another one with yeah, yeah, matt sure. damon uh where he and his wife were like part of spreading some sort of pandemic you know it actually might have been called pandemic now that i'm thinking about it but anyways there's a board game called pandemic that was always like <laughs> popular wow but after this started like people bought it yeah. like off the shelves like it was impossible to get this game and so there's this really bizarre part where you know we have this I think this fear about these types of things, but then we also are fascinated by them and, and we try and kind of lean into them a little bit. So, um, I don't know. We have, we have weird ways of dealing with things, I think. Yeah, we do. And I mean, man, you're a pastor and we were talking in the episode, like, no, if you are listening right now and you want to go check it out, I think it's the, the third episode. I mean, super early in my, no, my, my stages of becoming a podcaster. Um, But I mean, you're a pastor here in Costa Mesa. And one of the things I've noticed, even you know, coming back to school, seeing you taking your kids there versus, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are like, I'm taking my kids out of school. I'm going to put them in private <laughs> or, you yeah. know, they're doing homeschooling yeah. because they don't like, you know, the, the way education is going and things like that. Uh, but from a pastor perspective, like, why do you decide to engage like in public education? Like, no, let's go back to school. I mean, yeah schools are opening let's go back there what what made you decide yeah i'm gonna go back to it um 
Oh, mostly because I was terrified to have my kids in the house any longer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I mean, for sure, there's like there's a part of that. I mean, that was a really hard thing. Uh, the home, uh, the distance learning piece was really hard. I know, I can probably count on one hand the number of families I know that it worked really well for. Um, I think that there's probably anyway. So, uh, and then um, you know, my wife and I, we, I, I grew up. I was homeschooled um, almost my entire childhood. Wow, uh, my whole family. And you my, came out okay? Well, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> uh, but um, while I appreciate like my parents making that choice, and, I, and there's a sacrifice. Like homeschool parents, like they do a lot of work, and they they give up something, you know, very very specific, very tangible to homeschool their kids. And so I appreciated that. But my wife and I, we just always we really felt passionate about we want to be embedded in our community, and rather. Um, and there's different ways of approaching this. And so this isn't at all like a judgment on anybody that do, does things differently. But for us, it was a sense of we want um, the opportunity to help coach and teach and navigate our kids through real life. We don't want to pull them into something that is safer, that we do get to control everything that they are being mm. taught. You know, there, there's benefits from homeschooling for sure. Um, but... The reality is, is that um, for me as a parent, I don't want to, um, I don't want to have full control over them. I want to teach them how to have control over themselves. Like that's my goal as a parent. I want them to get to high school and be able to make a decision and say, you know what, I don't think this is actually the way I want to do things, or this isn't who I want to be, or they get to make those kind of decisions rather than me making those for them. Um, now it's a very kind of myopic, like small view of the differences. I know that there's a ton of differences and benefits both sides, but for us, you know, we were just like, you know what? Schools are open. My wife and I both work full time. So having kids at home was really difficult, uh, in, in that sense. Um, and, uh, and challenging, uh, felt like they weren't able to succeed. And it also felt like we were struggling a lot. Um, and we really want our community. We want to be a part of it. We want our teachers to know like, Hey, we know that this is hard and difficult for you and we're for you guys as well. Um, and there's so many people that are, you know, ringing bells about things that are frustrating and difficult and they disagree with and those types of things. And I just don't know that I need to add a voice to that. I think that, um, personally, I feel like my, my voice, my energy would be better spent at thanking and affirming and encouraging and not pointing out every little issue. Because if we're honest, two years ago, before the pandemic started, there was a lot of issues then too, you know? And, and so it's, it's not like now we have issues. It's like, there's always issues. This is life. This is humanity. This is people figuring it out. So long answer, but yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's the reason why we decided to put our kids back in school. And, uh, and honestly it's gone really well. There's been challenges for sure. There's things that we wish were a little bit different here and there, but, um, we're super grateful that our kids are able to be back in around other kids being taught by someone who loves to teach. <laughs> yeah. So. Did you say you're you're happy your kids are going back to get vaccinated? Yeah. <laughs> is, is that what you put in my mouth? Is that the words you put in my mouth? Oh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, man. There's, that's that, that's the, the next battle, or I guess the current battle, I guess, in, wow. in culture. Yeah, I know. And I mean, I'm just kind of teasing, but... I know the pandemic. I mean, you were saying there were issues before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and for sure, what do you think were like some of the main, just kind of like looking back at the you know, last year and a half, mm -hmm. what were some of the main things you, you've seen as a pastor? Like, wow, this is new 
this is a new thing we're struggling with because of the pandemic even as you said you know maybe we're yeah. facing like a social pandemic like sure. all these other types of not just medical pandemic yeah uh, what are some of the things you're witnessing yeah uh, from that like pastoral view well I'm not sure that you know I'm not sure that anything that has Uh, I don't know that there's much new that's been caused because of the pandemic. I guess I should say that maybe it's a little bit different than what I said earlier. I think that what the pandemic has done has like, um, stirred things up. I think it's brought things to the surface. I think it's sped up challenges. I think it's also sped up good things and growth and positive, you know, positive things. It's not perfect, but for example, you know, our school district has had to figure out, okay, we need to make sure that every family has access to a computer and internet, you know, and it's not perfect, but they have made steps and strides to go that direction. And that's something that they should have already had. You know, our, our school district should be able to provide that for families that don't have access to that. So there's been, um, there's been things that have been sped up in good ways and in negative ways. And so I think a lot of the social things, uh, the political things, um, disagreements, uh, and it's more than disagreements, just the, the vitriol, the angst against each other. Um, I don't think that's a new thing. I think it's just been, um, I think it's been forced to come to the surface. And I think that, um, you know, I think that people have really taken advantage of the opportunity to divide people. Um, there's a lot of money to be made in fear. Um, you know, when we make people. Wow. Say that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money to be made in fear, you know? Wow. Um, and uh, I'm not saying that there's nothing to be afraid of, but the mm. more you can pit somebody against something, the more that they will be, um, prone to make decisions to protect themselves or to attack something or whatever it is. And, and so I think that, you know, as, as you look at marketing, media, as you look at news, politics, all that kind of stuff, I mean, it doesn't feel wrong to say that um, you're not going to hear a politician on either side talk about, like, how it's possible to work together again. Like, everybody on both sides is basically like, we have to defeat the other side. Uh, it's always the other side that's evil. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right. There's never any issues on our side. It's always on the other side. And uh, if we don't somehow defeat the other side, then the world is going to fall apart or your freedoms are going to be taken away or, you know, whatever the things are, you know. And so um, I think that there's, you know, I don't know that everybody's necessarily intentional about it, but we get wrapped up in this thing. And th those of us that are listeners, you know, like there's listeners to this podcast, there's listeners to news, social media, like whatever it is, you know, we get wrapped up in this way of thinking and it starts to infiltrate our minds. And so we end up kind of buying into, well, I did already disagree with that side or that view or that perspective. And now here I am. And, and if, we don't defeat the other side, then we're all going to die from this pandemic. Or if we don't defeat this other side, then our country is going to become, you know, whatever, you know? So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing, but I, I think that really, if we're honest and it's a, you know, Christian podcast, uh, but it is, man, it is, still is <laughs> <laughs> It's somewhere in the name. I think, but I think that there's a piece where we are, our broken nature as humans has been given the freedom to kind of run rampant. <laughs> and uh, I think in a lot of ways it goes back to, you know, 
the creation poem. It goes back to this tree that's in the center of the garden, the knowledge of good and evil, um, which I think in a lot of ways is God's, um, it's like God's no trespassing sign in uh, for who we are as humans to make judgments on, you know, who is in, who is out, what is right, what is wrong. Now we can make discern, we can discern things, but I think that, you know, one of the greatest aspects of our brokenness is that we are constantly judging and we are humans. We're not all knowing like God is. Uh, He invites us to be loving. Uh, He doesn't invite us to be all knowing, you know? And so um, I think that we really struggle with that because we cannot, um, we cannot judge people and love them at the same time. And as I look at the gospel, I look at what Jesus says, we're invited to really um, love, to love others as Christ has loved us. And so I think that there's this piece for us where it's like, if I'm judging someone in a condemning type of way, I am unable to love them in a Christ-like way. Um, and I just talked about this this past week uh, in one of our services, so it's a little fresh in my mind. But, you know, there is a discernment that we're invited to. Jesus actually says in John 7, he says, uh, I want you to judge correctly. So there is this invitation for mm. us to judge people uh, or to judge things. Um and, uh, but it's, it's a tricky balance because instead of judging things and situations, we tend to judge the person, we judge the heart, we judge the worth, the value of individuals or of a group of people. And that's where we really get ourselves into trouble, I think. Mm, so what you're saying is we need to find balance. Right, Mr. Miyagi? <laughs> I mean, that, that, would be, uh, that would be a gift. Uh, to find yeah. balance for sure. Um, so, wow, man, that's so good. I love. I mean, you said something like, "God invites us to be loving, uh, not all knowing." Yeah. I mean, uh, let's dig into that a little bit more. Because, uh, <laughs> okay, so invites us to be loving. So we as humans can be. We're not all knowing, right? As humans, yeah, right. I mean, we can know something, but we don't know all. Yeah. But God. It's all knowing. Yeah. Right? So therefore, he, he, it's almost like he didn't, it's interesting because he didn't put all knowledge in us. Yeah. But he put the capability to become loving. Mm-hmm. But becoming loving needs, needs knowledge of something. Hmm. Right? Doesn't it? Um, can you be loving being, uh, like naive or is yeah. it intentional is love intentional yeah that's a that's a great question um i think that maybe big maybe there yeah i think that maybe the truest form of love um i don't i don't know that i would say it's naive but let's consider an infant who loves its mother foolishly because that mother could do anything. Nobody is more vulnerable than an infant, than a child. But there is a sense that kids continue to believe, why would this person ever do anything to hurt me? So I wouldn't say that necessarily love is naivety, but I would say that there is this aspect of innocence, of vulnerability, that comes with love and as we get older and we experience hurts and pains we actually protect 
that self. We protect that kind of inward aspect of ourselves and we're hesitant to love people or to love things because they have hurt us before. So almost that knowledge of past experiences gets in the way of us being able to love well. Yeah. Um, wow. So I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah, it makes sense because I, I think right now the, the thing that's coming to my mind, it's kind of like when Jesus says, you know, unless you become like a kid, right? And I think that's a little bit of that, that innocence side of it. But so, so I guess when you're a child, right, you believe whatever people tell you about <laughs> life, about anything. Yeah. Um, so you have that innocence and you're kind of like, in a sense, you, you, uh, you're dependent on other people's input. Mm -hmm. And the goal is as you grow older, which is you know, maturing, is that you become intentional about the good choices that you, I mean, both choices, but yeah. hopefully the good choices that you can make towards loving other people, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe in the, maybe, yeah, maybe as kids, it's easy. It's almost like it's easier to love yeah, because you no know, kids can forgive easier, I would well, say. you have kids. I don't know if you've had this experience and I'm, you know, this is, these aren't necessarily things I'm proud about, but it's like when my kid does something that I get super upset by. Uh, we have an argument. He's shouting and crying at me. I'm frustrated and I send him to his room. Uh, maybe I explode. You know, I get angry. That only happens to us who take kids to public school. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so I do. So I, I handle the situation in a way that I'm not proud of. Uh, I think he handles the situation in a way that I'm also not proud of. I'm not really, I don't love the way he responded. Um, he forgives me faster than I forgive him every single time. Wow. Every single time. Yeah. And it's not because yeah. he's more mature than I am. It's because he hasn't been hurt. This is my opinion. I think it's because he hasn't been hurt in life enough to wonder, does he really mean it when he says he's sorry? Oh, yeah. Does he really actually wow. feel remorse? He doesn't, he hasn't been through like the the uh, battering ram of life to have those second or third types of thoughts in his mind is like, well, it's my dad. And even though he was pissed because I wouldn't let him play a video game or whatever the thing, it's often stupid stuff, but he always is ready to come back to the relationship faster than I am. Oftentimes I'm like, he like wants yeah. to cuddle and I'm still frustrated. It's like, I don't really want to cuddle. I'm still bothered by this kid or whatever. It, you know, it's like, again, I'm not saying that's the ideal. I'm just saying, like, that's the reality. My kid is always ready to reconnect faster than I am. That's because I've had 39 years of um, life. And in that life, I've had, you know, physical abuse from my parents. I've had, you know, betrayal by friends. I've had failed relationships. I, you know, all these different things, the way we all have. Um, and those all shape my willingness to be vulnerable in love even with my own six-year-old child. I'm scared to be vulnerable in love because life is hard and we all get chipped. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so, so interesting because you're, you're basically saying there's, there's some knowledge mm -hmm. in our lives that becomes baggage, right? There, there's a type of knowledge or that can become baggage, sure. right? Or what we call baggage, yeah. it's really knowledge and it's baggage because you know, we're carrying you know, all these events in our life that maybe hurt us or that you know we had to deal with in a no they weren't necessarily fun or yeah. hopeful or full of joy it yeah. was all the opposite 
and that becomes knowledge almost like in uh, against us i would say right or that we have to wrestle with or battle with as we get older and i i mean isn't that interesting that there's also this other knowledge i don't know i mean when when i think of jesus and the bible and things like that right like the knowledge of who christ is and the knowledge it i mean to me it comes back to that intentionality like okay you know but then you know the baggage Mm -hmm. you know what you're carrying you know that there's hurt but there's also this other knowledge that invites you to intentionally like choose something else like choose to forgive or choose to i'm gonna be generous even though you know they don't deserve it right (laughs) or whatever whatever the situation might be but the choosing to me i feel like that's that's kind of like actualizing faith like putting faith to practice it costs you yeah there's hope in there right it's yeah i'm I'm gonna choose to believe that there's a better way that there's a different way that they will you know not wound me or that you know uh and you know I, i absolutely agree with that you know i think that there is this piece of um you know our the knowledge of our past is really these experiences right and so we all take those experiences and then we make choices that um, based on our past experiences is how we make our current choices. So if I've been hurt over and over again in every single relationship, then I'm going to be, um, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up all kinds of walls in my relationships. You know, um, if I um, never was good enough in my parents' eyes. If that's the way that I felt, then I will spend the rest of my life in every relationship with my kids, with my spouse and my work. I'll spend every relationship trying to prove that I am valuable by what I'm able to do versus the fact that I'm believing that I'm valuable because I'm a child of God and I have inherent worth because God has put his identity into me, you know? And so, um, I think it is this piece of past experience, past knowledge, um, yes, I was hurt, but I'm choosing to believe there's a different way. I'm choosing to believe that something else is possible. I'm choosing to believe that health or wholeness or healing even for myself is possible. And I think that, you know, relationally, but really probably in every aspect of life, I think that's where we come into this need to be able to have healthy boundaries, you know, because there will always be some people that will just choose to hurt us. Mm. And if we continue to put ourselves in that scenario, that's on us. So we have to know, okay, what are the healthy boundaries I needed to put up? Um, because I want to be able to love like a child with that kind of innocence and be vulnerable. But also I've realized that that person, they're going to continue taking advantage of that. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. So is, is it okay to like set up boundaries, like healthy boundaries? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think we have to. For yeah. sure. Even wow. Jesus, you know, I mean, I think there's moments where uh, I think that we could call it boundaries when he tells Peter, uh, get behind me, Satan. Peter's trying to defend Jesus and say, we'll never let them take you to the cross. Like best intentions in the world, right? Best yeah. motives in the world. <laughs> and Jesus like rebukes him. I think that's setting up a boundary of saying, no, you don't get to decide for me. I, I don't know. I think uh, it's a little bit of white space there. I guess I'm reading into, but there's a sense of you don't get to make this decision. And I don't even want you speaking these ideas out loud because of the damage that even just that thought process could do for you, for other people. 
Um, so yeah, I think the boundaries are a super healthy thing, but they're really difficult. Um, they're really difficult to, to find a healthy boundary and the people that most often need to set up boundaries usually are the people that feel guilty or bad, um, about making other people like if they were to keep someone at a distance, there's already like a sense of guilt or shame that comes with that. And so it's a really difficult thing to set up healthy boundaries. Yeah, no, totally, man. And I, I mean, I personally went through an experience with my wife where, uh, I mean, this is a little more uh, maybe esoteric, I would say, <laughs> and you know, meta. <laughs> but uh, it was a little bit of this this idea, you know, like uh, good vibes only type of thing, uh, <laughs> setting boundaries in that way where it became super unhealthy right it was like oh man like now you're setting up boundaries for anything yeah. that nobody enters your circle yeah. and I, I think it just became an unhealthy sure boundary right yeah yeah i mean i think that uh you know a boundary line if you think about a boundary line i grew up in the south in north carolina and you know everybody's property wait how is the south north Carolina. That's exactly right. Right? Uh, yeah. There's a South Carolina too, but North Man. Carolina is still in the South. They need to do mental gymnastics <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, but there's there's this reality that, you know, boundaries give you a sense of freedom. You know, it's like, I know I can do whatever I want inside of this property line. And other people are welcome to come on my property with my permission, that don't take advantage of me, that aren't stealing things. You know, and so if you start to think about boundaries less about like, oh, I'm going to keep people away and I'm just going to protect myself. And you start to think of it more in like a property line of like, okay, what is mine? What do I want to protect? What do I want to cultivate? And who are the kinds of people that I want to let in to be able to join me in that process? Because the reality is, is that we need other people. We were born to have other people or we're made in to require relationships. And so I think that we have to find people that we are able to invite into that space, into our lives, into our property lines to help us cultivate and grow and become who God intends for us to be. That's so good, man. Wow. That's a lot of wisdom right there. And I love it. Like have this, this property, yeah, this property line. And I love the, the you know, cultivating because I mean, there's a truth I learned when I was in my teens and I mean it's a biblical truth right it says a man will reap what he sows yeah. right and and I think it's that invitation to hey who do you want mm -hmm. in your garden right yeah. who do you want in that place that can make you flourish or maybe flourish together um, I want to move on to this this idea of I always say you know even since I started the podcast um, I've been digging more and more and more into what the future means And even there's a podcast you did with my wife a few years ago in which you were saying like hope uh, gives you, it like gives you a vision of what the future can be. And if you were even mentioning it a little bit ago uh, about like this idea of like, okay, you we have this baggage, mm -hmm. uh, this knowledge, whatever it comes with, right? With, with good and bad. Yeah. But then there's, there's hope of can the future look different and i mean one question would be like is this ultimately a jesus thing i, I mean is jesus the only one that offers this this type of hope in the future um or that's it i mean can people find it maybe <laughs> i don't know like in other religions and things like that or um what does yeah let's let's just start right there like how do 
what is how can we create a vision of a future that's hopeful sure when we have all this baggage yeah yeah how do you how do you help people even you know as a pastor like yeah. when people come with problems yeah for and, sure I think that there's a few different things, you know, um, and it it probably also depends on like, what is the, um, you know, there's different scenarios. There's hope in work. There's hope in relationships or marriage or wanting to be married. You know, if you're single, maybe you you long for that and you want to hold on to some hope. Maybe there's hope in uh, what our country could look like once again at some point, you know, or or there's, so there's a lot of different categories and, 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 there's probably some nuance depending on the individual ones, but I tend to believe that we do long for something that is only able to be found in the restoration that God provides in the path that God provides. Um, I'm a, I am a believer that Jesus is the way, um, I I don't believe in, um, all roads lead to heaven type of situation. Um, I do believe that, a lot of other religions affirm what we believe, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, um, you know, there's this sense of, uh, you know, as you look in Old Testament, you know, and, and these books and letters were written by different people in different times, and there's other, you know, um, there are other flood types of stories in other religions. There's other creation types of stories in other religions, you know, and and so for me, I actually feel like rather than say, well, that proves that Christianity isn't wrong. I actually believe that that's because somewhere along the way they were influenced by this one true God. They were, you know, there was somebody that heard the story of creation. And then like we all do, we kind of spend time and we snowball into our own version of things. You know, what I believe to be true about Christianity, um, there's probably a lot of it that's just twisted based on my own humanity. You know, it's like I, I try and believe the true things, but there's this reality that it's not fully accurate. It's human accurate. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but as, yeah. we, as we start to look at this idea of hope, um, I think that, you know, I really believe that we have to actually use our imagination. Um, and that's something that God has like created us with. Our imagination is not a bad thing. And it's not just a thing for kids. And in fact, most adults use their imagination, um, but we use our imagination almost strictly in a negative way. We imagine the worst case scenario. We, we hold on to, uh, yeah. know, there's, there's clinical uh, aspects of anxiety, um, but I think a lot of us are anxious because we are imagining things that might happen or might not happen or uh, whatever it is. Now I'm not saying that there's not more significant levels of anxiety that, you know, people deal with, but I think in general, uh, anxiety, like a common anxiety is really just an active imagination that's focusing on negative outcomes, fears. Um, so we all use our imagination a lot. And so I think that there's this invitation for us to imagine, um, in our minds, what does God's kingdom look like in my family? If my family were to represent this, if my marriage were to represent, you know, God's healing, God's restoration, God's goodness, generosity, whatever words you want to pick that are these attributes of who God is and who we're called to be as followers of Jesus, I think we need to use that uh, imagination and say, okay, 
what would it look like for me to pursue my work, my nine to five, which is a frustrating thing, or it's a, you know, it's not as fulfilling as I'd hoped to be or whatever it is. Um, what would it look like for me to do this in a way that honors God? I mean, Colossians talks about this, you know, Paul writes in, in everything you do, whether in word or de- deed, do it as though you're working for Jesus Christ, our Lord, you know, so there's this, there's a lot of scriptures that point to this idea, but I think that for hope specifically, we have to use our imagination to be able to picture it because sometimes, and this is me a lot, this is me over the last couple of weeks, I get discouraged and I think like, man, what is the point? Like this, wow, this, this, there's a lot of super crappy stuff. You know, there's a lot of things in our country, in our state, in my relationships that are just like, man, is it ever going to change? Um, and if it's up to me or the government or my friend or whatever it is, no, not for the better. You know, the only reason why it would be able to change for the positive is because of um, us choosing to pursue things uh, in a way that God has called us to pursue them. Now, if I won the lottery tomorrow, and I got a million dollars. There'd be a lot of goodness. A lot of things would change. <laughs> uh, but we know, you know, that that's not a permanent change. And oftentimes those types of things are squandered and they end up causing more issues than we had in the first place, you know? And so this is a, a lasting, meaningful shift. This isn't just a like, oh, I'm, I'm out of this crappy circumstance and into a different one, taking our problems from one playground to another playground. This is actually about us being transformed. And I think that we have to begin to use our imagination to picture, yes, this is possible. And this is what I'm aiming for. Uh, I can't remember the author, but there's a, a book. Um, I want to say it might've been um, Charles Duhigg is the author's name. I believe the book is called The Power of Habits. And he's talking about this idea and it's not a Christian book at all. It's just based on tons of scientific research. And he's talking about this idea and he's saying, you know, if you want to become a runner, for example, if you don't like running and you want to become a runner, you have to kind of think through this concept of, well, what are the types of things that runners do? So you imagine, what is it that runners do? They probably don't sleep till 10 a.m. You know, they probably don't eat fried chicken for breakfast. You know, I'm using a ridiculous examples, but you're using your imagination. Like, okay, like, let me imagine what a runner, what a runner does. And let me just start doing those types of things. Um, and I think that there's this connection for us as it comes to hope, as it comes to restoration, redemption, it's, well, what is, um, what is the way of Jesus look like as I navigate a decision, whether or not to put my kids in school, as I navigate a decision, whether or not I want to protest at the school district offices uh, as I navigate a decision on whether I want to, you know, whatever the situations are uh, in my relationships, what does it look like? What kinds of things would a Jesus follower do in this situation? If I was, you know, the perfect Christian, what would the perfect Christian do? Now that's a dangerous question to ask because I don't know if there is one, but, but we can use our imagination to be like, well, they would almost certainly be loving they would almost certainly defer to another person. They would almost certainly be generous with what they have. Like we can use our imagination to think these things. And when we start to think about that, we're left with no room, but to actually just move in that direction. And it hurts. It's not easy, but I think that there's a a piece of what, what are the types of things 
that a Jesus follower would do in this marriage, in this parenting, in this friendship. Wow. Yeah, love it, man. Thank you for um, this invitation to use our imagination. I mean, when I think of imagination, the first thing that pops in my mind is like Walt Disney and <laughs> you know, Disney going to Disneyland and how, like, oh, you got to believe in magic and yeah. you know, use your imagination for this and that. But um, I mean, that's beautiful. I think it's great to you know, come up with whatever, right? Like imagine you know, awesome worlds and things like that. But to use our imagination to to create hope for yeah. our future or to create a future that we can be hopeful for. Um, that's a great invitation. And I think I agree with you a lot when uh, sometimes when I look at the world, I'm like, well, maybe hope is, is not for this planet. It's, it, no, it's for heaven or for that other realm yeah. when we're, when we're, uh, when we die, right. And we go to heaven or whatever. Yeah. But it's so interesting that the invitation of Jesus is even when he prays, And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as yeah. it is in heaven. So it's almost like he's saying, or is, there's a suggestion. Uh, and I don't know, people might take it differently, but things can be better in this world, yeah. in this lifetime, in For this, sure. right? In our, in, in our reality, don't wait to heaven. Yeah, absolutely. It can happen here. Yeah. Right? There's, a, there's a lot of mystery, I think, around this idea of miracles and uh, God answering certain prayers or not other prayers, you know, God showing up in certain situations and not other situations. And, and I don't have all the answers to explain exactly why some. You're not, not all others. knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I think that there is this, you know, for me, it helps to recognize that there is a spiritual battle going on. Um, there is a spiritual realm. I do believe that. And I think that the world, even though Satan has been defeated, there is still a darkness in the world. And I imagine it uh, kind of this covering of the world. Um, and there's a lyric by, uh, there's a, a singer, a band named Sleeping at Last. And he has this lyric um, talking about hope. And he talks about how um, essentially he's referring to how God's uh, power or hope or miracles break through. But he articulates it in this way that's always just like this beautiful image He says, it's like a firework tearing apart the dark. And as I think about that idea of like, what is a firework in a lot of ways, like, yes, it's an explosive thing that's illegal in Costa Mesa and you know, whatever it is, <laughs> but it is just, it, the sky is dark. And then even though it's not literally ripping darkness, there is this like breakthrough of light in the midst of that darkness. And I think that there's these moments in our lives that it would do us a huge benefit if we actually recognized it as this is goodness tearing apart the darkness. This is God breaking through in this situation, this miracle or this, you know, relationship that's restored or this, you know, uh, whatever it is, this prayer that was answered. Um, yes, it doesn't happen every time I pray. It doesn't happen every time the way I want it to happen. But when we see the light tearing apart the dark and breaking through into the darkness. I think it does us a benefit when we acknowledge it, we recognize it and we categorize it the right way because that's the fuel for hope, right? That's the, you know what? That, re that relationship is, is healthy now. And it didn't used to be, uh, I worked through this challenge. I, I'm not struggling as much with fear or with addiction or whatever. 
that's that's the fuel of like God is doing things. I am changing. They are. We are growing. Hope is it is here. Uh, but oftentimes I think that we just don't necessarily categorize things the right way. Uh, we move on to the next thing or maybe the bigger problems or the next problem or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't, I think I'm rambling, but I uh, th- that was so interesting. Man. We don't, I mean, well, talking about categories, this, <laughs> yeah. this is, I think this is how I would love to end. Um, because I think I categorize episodes <laughs> yeah. with emojis. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Emoji reactions. <laughs> so this is what I want to do. I have five emojis okay. on the Christian podcast. And I thought, okay, it's a Christian podcast. We kind of talk about uh, spiritual things. And then there's belief involved in you know, in in Christian anything. So I thought, what if I categorize reactions? So you know how when you go to Facebook and you no, know, you somebody posts something, yeah, and then you say, okay, wow, yeah, or you say this is sad. So you're basically categorizing the com the, the yeah. post or whoever, whatever a video or yeah. a picture. Uh, you're categorizing it by liking it, emoji, heart emoji, sad emoji, right? So I created five, and they are. Blasphemous, skeptical, inspire, holy, and divine. All right, so I cate- I already categorize uh, belief for the rest of humanity right here in five emojis. So the goal is going to be, Chris, I'm going to say one of each one of these words, and you're going to have to come up with a phrase that you've heard, whatever. It might be a Bible phrase or a phrase from whatever, the world or whatever. And you're going to say, I categorize this phrase as uh, no, whichever of these emojis. So if I would say okay. the emoji of blasphemous, <laughs> what did you categorize under that? Oh my goodness. Um, <clears throat> well, we're doing it. Is it? Do I have to just say like one phrase only, or can I give a little context? Yeah, give okay. context. That's so cool. <laughs> we're doing this series right now at our church called "God Never Said That." So the blasphemous oh, idea nice. is a little bit easy for me. So uh, I think the one that we're coming up on this weekend is this concept that we have heard and we have said, which is "follow your heart," and uh, God never said that. Wow. He yeah. never said that. So that's blasphemous. Blasphemous. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> wow. And if you want to dig more into that, well, check out South Hills <laughs> yeah, Church for sure, exa- right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, why do you categorize as skeptical or skepticism or something mm. that makes you even skeptical? Yeah. Let's see. Um, I think. Let's see. So are you, you want like a phrase? Yeah, a phrase or yeah. just, yeah, a belief maybe yeah. that you're um, skeptical of. I think I am skeptical of, man, these are, you, I'm skeptical of people that think that they will be happier or more fulfilled if they move out of California 
<laughs> That's a good one, man. Yeah, to I, Texas, right? I, yeah, I hear, <laughs> or whatever. I hear a lot of that these days. And uh, as someone who's lived in a number of different states, uh, I'm just I'm skeptical that they're going to get what they are looking for. Wow. Texas is not the answer, people. <laughs> are you hearing me? Texas is not the answer. You're sh for sure going to lose all of your listeners from Texas. Oops. <laughs> Texas, we love you. Hey, I'm voting for Beto O'Rourke because he's got the same first name Best as me. Best name in the world. I've got some great friends that live in Texas, and I still don't know why. <laughs> wow. All right. Skeptical. Uh, inspired emoji. Something inspirational, something that you, a thought, an idea, a phrase that you find inspirational. Hmm. Um, well, I think one of the um, things that really inspires me the most, I really love art and music. Um, and uh, there's a, um, an artist, he goes by the, the handle of Scott the Painter. And um, he actually lives in Texas now, funny enough. Wow. I know. And he's friends with Bob the Builder. <laughs> <laughs> and Chance the Rapper. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, he's, a, um, he's an artist. He's much more than that. Um, but he really uses imagery to help communicate spiritual ideas and for people to wrestle with spiritual concepts. And uh, consistently, the stuff that he uh, produces is super inspiring to me. Um, so Scott the Painter is a great artist. You got to check him out. Awesome. Something holy. Something holy. Um, let's see. Last night, um, I made a dinner and we had some friends over. And I don't know if I can say this. You can bleep, bleep it out if you want. Uh, but we had a... <laughs> so good. Uh, no, we had a, uh, a glass of wine and just this really good meal. And for me, there is just something so holy about that. It just is like there's something about the connection that happens in that kind of space around a table um, that is just, it's always so filling to me and it makes things feel, um, yeah, holy. Nice. And the last one. Something divine. Something divine. Hmm. Man, these are hard questions, dude. Yeah, like, it's just emoji based. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> um, I would say um, something divine. Um, My kid, uh, my older kid, has um, someone he's really frustrated with at school. And um, I think he's got some pretty good reasons. He's not in my kid's class, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oops. Nope. Uh, I think he's got good reason to be frustrated. Um, but he just continues to go out of his way uh, to show kindness and to invite that person to things. And I probably wouldn't do that if I was in his shoes. And uh, I just think that there's something so good and so divine about his ability to continue to include others. Wow. There you go.
Well, my friends, we're wrapping it up. I hope you have enjoyed this session of the Christian Podcast live from my favorite coffee shop. Oh, yeah. What is it? What is it? We're not going to say. <laughs> you don't want it Should to be, we say? You don't we want say? it to be too crowded <laughs> next time you try and come. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My favorite coffee. And I'm just going to say this because I'm the real Beto Gudino. The avatar hasn't come yet. But my favorite coffee shop is... And technically, are we in Costa Mesa or is this Newport Beach? It's technically Newport. Okay. So we're in Newport Beach. But it's like a, a block away from Costa Mesa, which is my favorite city in the whole world. Absolutely. Common Room Roasters. Yeah. Yeah. Best coffee in the world. They actually won like second best espresso shot in yeah. America at some competition, I think in Portland. Yeah. And it's not even just the best coffee. It's also the best vibes. It's like the coolest vibes in this coffee shop. It is, man. It, it just helps with the mood of the podcast, <laughs> the episode. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, where can people find more about, you know, your church, South Hills, more about you? Maybe, I don't know if you want people to follow you on social media and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, on Instagram, uh, it's just my last name, Kretzu, at K-R-E-T-Z-U. Um, and then the church is on Instagram as well, uh, South Hills Costa Mesa, at South Hills Costa Mesa, all one word. Or you can go to southhills.org and you can find more information about our church there. Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. My friends, I'll see you on the next one. Hey, what's up, my friends? This is the real Beto Gudino, not the avatar. And I just want to thank you for listening to the show. I would love for you to support the show by leaving a positive review, a like, a subscribe, wherever you're listening at. You can also share these episodes with friends and family, or you can visit christianpodcast.com and check out our amazing merchandise. All right, guys, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.